Hi, thanks for joining us. I'm Jen Winkleman. This next pocket of time is going to be dedicated to the healing art of storytelling. I've been working in the mental health field for the better part of the last two decades, and in that time, because of my work, I've had the great privilege of hearing countless stories. I hear stories that leave me at the end of the day filled with awe about the resilience of the human spirit. And I get to hear stories about those surprising moments when love steps in to save the day at the very last moment. And I hear stories about the true grit it sometimes takes to survive the human experience. I learned something about life and humanity from all of these stories, and I want to be able to share what I've learned. But because of the part that I play in my community, I'm meant to be a keeper of those narratives. It's important that I maintain privacy and confidentiality for the families that I serve. And so those stories have to stay inside the four walls of my counseling office and are held by those sacred moments where one person tells their truth and another person bears witness to it. And in this, there's some sort of magic that we co-create that leads to healing. But this has me thinking that the reach for healing could be bigger. So I decided that outside the counseling office and on a larger scale, we needed a forum for storytelling. We need to get back to the root of taking the time to listen to each other's experiences and to begin to draw from them. So today, our guest and I will have an unscripted conversation, apart from the questions that we routinely ask to get into it. And then you and I will have the opportunity to learn a bit from his or her experience. In every case, there is value and something that we can borrow for our own lives. Because behind every face, there is a story. And in every story, there are life lessons begging to be learned. So as we listen along today, it's up to us to find the lesson in the story. And then if you and I so choose, we can catch that truth like a firefly in a jar and use it as light on our own paths. Thanks again for being with us. This is All I Know. everybody. We are back with a kind of different or special episode this week. We're actually going to hand the interviewing responsibilities over to our executive producer, Jessica Barry Edelstein, and we're just going to talk a little bit. It's This is going to be like a show about the show. Yeah. So that's what we're doing today. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, throttle into a different position of interviewee, and Jess is going to take it from here. So, Jen, in thinking about the podcast, can you chat with us a little bit or give us some insight into how the podcast came into being? Yes, I can. But it's probably a layered answer, and I think it has kind of unfolded over time. As I was thinking about us sitting down to record this episode, I was thinking about what's the real beginning of the podcast? Because in my mind, beginning is in the winter of 2017, right around my 40th birthday. Um, but I actually think the real beginning is is way, way before that. I don't know what made me think of it, but um, when I was in my 20s, I remember somebody asking me what my ideal job was. And I told them, I was like, oh, I think it'd be kind of fun to host a radio show, to do some kind of interview show. But I didn't really have any 
anything beyond that. Just that I thought it would be fun to have a radio show. Lo and behold, you know, years later, podcasting comes on the scene. Like at the time that I said that, hosting a radio show is basically like a pipe dream because who's going to hire me to be a host for a radio show that's going to be syndicated, right? Right. That's nowhere within any reach. And then years later, podcasting comes on the scene where it's like anybody with discipline and a microphone and a little bit of marketing ability and some blessings from the heavens around word of mouth can kind of do that, can kind of have that gig. Right. So I think this concept has sort of been gurgling around at some level since my early adulthood. And then the show itself really started to take more shape. What was going on? I was turning 40, which was not an easy birthday for me. <laughs> my, my my closest friends kind of know that I've been dreading my 40th birthday <laughs> since <laughs> probably being a teenager. Why? I don't know. Maybe I had this intuition about my life that it was like not going to be what I wanted it to be or something. I, I don't know. Or maybe it was just society piling all that pressure on us. To- perhaps. Certainly could be that too. So yeah, my 40th was just kind of a big um, hurdle or a big obstacle kind of for me to get through. And um, in, in that time, I was working in mental health and I was working at an agency in Denver as the clinical director and I was under a tremendous amount of stress. And I remember in the time even leading up to my birthday, so my birthday happens to be around the first of the year, which is a time when everybody's kind of doing a lot of like New Year's resolution-y, thinking through, taking inventory, all that kind of stuff. So my birthday falls right in there, which is sort of a natural time that I kind of reflect and sort of look at the last year anyway. So as it was coming up to my birthday, I and I was stressed out about turning 40, I thought, okay, you know, I need to not be here. I need to do something really, really extraordinary for my 40th. And I have a very distinct memory, and it's kind of like a visceral thing of being in Kenya with my mom on the last leg of our trip. We were in the Maasai Mara, and I remember one morning at breakfast just kind of feeling like the earth, like the ground was like speaking to me, like you have to change your life. It was like the grass was like saying it and the trees were like standing there being like, yes. Um, I came home from that trip feeling like that was really important. It was a major moment. I needed to hold on to it. I needed to do something and I had no idea what that something was. And so over a period of months, probably the next six months, I was still working in that really high stress job and and batting around, what are you going to do to to change your life? And um, I started conceptualizing the idea of a podcast. And because of my field of work, it came kind of naturally to think about talking to people and trying to draw out of them what they think is the most important stuff of their life and what can we get from it. And so it was just sort of this slow unfolding after that moment in the Masai Mara where the idea kind of started to gel. And 
I mean, anybody who's like paying attention to this timeline realizes that, what was it, May of 2020 that the first episode came out? And this moment in the Masai Mara was January of 2017. This was not like a rapid operation. This, it, when I say unfolding, it's been a slow unfolding. And there have been lots of layers to walk through with that. I feel like I just talked a really long time. I don't think you did at all. I'm like fascinated by that because I had no idea that you had that revelation while you were on that Africa trip. Yeah, it was a very private moment. I'm not sure that I even like spoke to my mom about it. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those moments where you sort of feel like you're speaking with God or God is speaking with you. And it's like this very private conference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe I was afraid to share it because once you say out loud, you have to change your life. That like bring some accountability, you know, from the people around you. Like I didn't know what I was changing it to. I didn't know what I was going to try to do in some ways. I feel like I failed myself around. You've got to change your life. Why? Even with the podcast underway. Um, and even with a job change in the last year and a half, I have done some things to change my life, but it's like, is it enough? You know? So there, it, it's interesting to put a moment like that out there. It was, it was something I held pretty close. I'm just like fascinated to hear that because my recollection when you came back from that trip, like you were so excited to go on that trip. And I feel like as a general rule, you love to travel. You're always excited. You go to really beautiful, exotic places coming from a person that's very well traveled like you definitely go to exotic places it makes me so happy yeah yeah <laughs> and I for sure felt like when you came back from that trip I can remember thinking like okay so she went to Africa like BFD like okay BFD is not the right way to say it but you just seemed so like something had not, I don't know that something had changed, but something was very different about how you talked about that trip than how you talked about other trips. And honestly, even subsequent trips that you've had after that Africa trip. I probably can't put all the words around. Minus that crazy Belize trip, not Belize, but um, Bolivia, Bolivia trip. I, I, I probably can't put all the right words around Africa. I think it's one of those things that kind of doesn't really have words. I mean, I have spoken with other people who have traveled there who also feel like it's a very magical experience. So there's something about that continent that is just kind of like intangible and amazing and primitive and real and earthy. <laughs> I don't know what the, the, there is no right word for Africa other than Africa. You know, but but for me, that trip was tangled up and tied up with my 40th birthday. And I think turning 40 and feeling like, OK, I'm OK. And I turned 40 and there's all these things that I wanted that I don't have. But 40 is here and life is going on and I am going to do the very best I can to make the most of it to like fill in those gaps for myself and it's not going to take the shape of what I had hoped and prayed for for 20 years it's going to be a different shape um so I think there was something in me that sh that 
was shifting, just sort of getting through that milestone. And maybe that's what you picked up on. And then it's also peppered with Africa. Do you, mm. do you know what I mean? I've never, you know, I, I don't know. I've never been to Africa. So it's, for me, I'm like, oh, I don't think it was Africa. I think it was that moment you had I in know. the grasslands, you know, with the trees and the wind. You I don't, know, I don't God know. speaking through you in spirit. I can't, I can't untangle it. It's just all, yeah. it's all part of that package. It and sounds and so everyone magical. I know who has been there sort of has this like romance with, with having been there and with the place mm-hmm. that Africa is, which is obviously incredibly diverse and spans thousands and thousands of miles and tons of cultures and languages. So it's like even saying Africa, it's like, well, you got to drill down a little bit more because there's right. a lot more going on than just so one vast thing. and diverse. Yeah. Maybe we don't need to chat about this, but the, something you said has me interested and in, I want to hear more about if you could go back in time and speed it up, how long it took for you to get the podcast released Mm. I've thought about that a lot. I've thought about that a lot. I'm not sure. So so we're our own harshest critic, right? So I can very easily sit in judgment of myself for like being too slow, not getting things going fast enough, should have been more disciplined, like all these things. And then in other ways, there's another part of myself that's like, are you kidding me? You worked as hard as you could on that with a full-time job, a part-time practice, a family, friends, health goals, travel, dancing. Like, there are all these other things. It's like the podcast is not the only thing in my life that I want to put energy toward. So if I was independently wealthy and had all the time in the world, then I could probably have given birth to this idea a lot sooner than I did. There was a lot to learn too. So much. You learned so many skills. Well, and I still need to. I mean, probably anybody listening with like half an ear for what this industry is, is like, oh man, it's amateur hour over there. And it is. I mean, we still have a ways to go and I'm kind of, I'm okay with that. You're way too harsh. I think the storytelling really speaks for itself. And I think as the creator, you're your own worst critic, like you just said, because this is your work product. You're hypercritical of it. Well, and artists are that way, right? Yeah. It's very hard to put any work out unless it's perfect. And for, for an artist, almost nothing is perfect. Right. So anyway, so, so yes, sometimes I am, am hard on myself about it. And at other times I feel like, well, this is just kind of what was meant to be. The first episode Uh, came out during the throes and what I would consider kind of the worst of the coronavirus pandemic, at least to date. It was a very confusing, unsettling time for me. And I felt like this needs to happen. This needs to happen now. I have to buckle down and get this out in the world because I was feeling so dark and like heavy laden. And the part of the point of the podcast was to try and shed light and give people hope in difficult circumstances and understand that there's wisdom all around us and there's 
there's knowledge for the taking that we can use to make our lives better. And it was like, if I believe that that's true, then I have to believe that that's true even during this global pandemic, which hopefully is a once in a lifetime event for us and will not happen. Yes, please. (laughs) But I thought there must be something in these stories, you know, that we could use during this incredibly difficult time for humanity, for our global community. Uh, And so that was a huge catalyst to just get it going. So should it have been released sooner? Maybe. Should it have been released later? I don't know. This is when it happened. I hope it's doing something during coronavirus, and I hope it's doing something totally separate and apart from coronavirus. I I think for sure it's both, Jen. It's been such a beautiful, I don't want to say entertainment because that feels like it cheapens the depth of the stories that are being told. But it's been a wonderful distraction from COVID. Well, you have to say that because you're the producer. <laughs> okay, but we've been friends forever. You know that I don't, I'm not a yes man. And in some ways it feels really appropriate because it's such, the stories are so not intentionally or in a Pollyanna wrap it all up way, but in their own unique way, they're quite hopeful, which I mean, especially, you know, in May, June, when it felt like COVID was dragging on for like the bazillionth month. Well, it was really getting real at that time. It was. It was like, this is not a several week event. This is going to be a marathon. This is not a sprint. What are we going to do? No end in sight. Just, yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes it feels like the all I know episodes it's like a really grown up classy healthy talk show episode you know like when we were kids like you would watch oprah or maury Savage or sally, sally jesse, jesse raphael, raphael. <laughs> and it was just so entertaining in some ways because it was i mean those shows were quite shocking ricky ricky Lake. yes whatever happened to her she's around um But the episodes just felt so not just hopeful, but also kind of a nice distraction that, oh, yeah, there are other problems that people have faced. And I really enjoyed being able to listen to those meaningful conversations that that type of storytelling, people talking about real shit that was real hard that they worked through that they and not just worked through, but have come out on the other side quite positively because of the way that they've interpreted the things that they've done or the experiences that they've had. And it's been a much needed distraction and release for COVID, at least for me. I'm glad that me too. That gives me joy. Me too. Um, okay. So you were saying before that back in your twenties that you, had kind of been dreaming, hoping that one day you would be, have your own talk radio show. I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I love that so much. I wonder if I ever told you that before. No, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Today. I've had lots of secrets, you know, these secret um, dreams and wishes, things that I just like, it's the same with ballroom. Hardly ever told anybody that I really wanted to learn to ballroom dance, but 
the cat's out of the bag now. Anyway. I love it. I, whenever I see you posting pictures or talking about Africa, I'm going to have this mental image of you like on this plane with like the grass swaying in this hot, dry wind, having like this spiritual moment of realizing you needed to do something big. Is that what you said? I have to do something big. That's how, how, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. That's what you heard. Okay. Yeah. It just makes the way that you've talked about that trip and the way that you like, I'm, you guys can't hear me, but I'm air quoting, like process that trip. When you came back, it just, it's like, Oh, that all makes sense. Now it makes sense to me so much on a different level now. Yeah, I came I came home with a charge that I needed yeah. to change my life. And so the last few years have been a little bit of a discovery of exactly what that means and how to do it. So have you, you know, like from the time that you were a kid, have you always enjoyed hearing people's stories? Is that partly maybe connected to your chosen profession? I have no idea. When I think back to like, my youth, I don't have any firm memories to hold on to or grasp on to where it's like, yeah, I've always loved stories. Actually, you know what's interesting? I remember in high school, you know, when you would in English class, when you would have to like read something and there would be all these metaphors <laughs> and all this stuff that you had to dig and mine out of the story. Yeah. I hated that. Oh, I hated that. I've, I like to read, but I hated that. I just felt so annoyed that people were making up all this stuff that was inside the story when maybe the author just was doing something very basic. So it's interesting that I have this interest or the frame now to like dig all these things out and try and make connections. So maybe when I was younger, I didn't like it because I do have that memory of high school. But... For sure, as an adult and certainly as a counselor, the idea of the way that we narrate our lives is very powerful. The language is very powerful. The words that we use can heal or hurt. Absolutely. And so now, of course, like I think that collection of words is so fascinating and just like I say in the in the introduction to the podcast, I have felt for such a long time like I get to see these little miracles happening in my office when I'm counseling someone and these incredible you know, these incredible like nuggets of truth that have to do with life, not just specific to whatever somebody's working on. And I can't share them or expose them because that's a private moment for that person in my profession has a lot of confidentiality tied to it but I do think we need more of a platform for storytelling because I think there's value in it I think it can help us heal I think it can help us learn I think there's there's value in storytelling for the storyteller and I think there's value in it for the listener do you know what I love about the stories that get told Hmm. on all I know is that they're so real as and I am a complete I will own it I'm a reality TV junkie like I love all of that <laughs> smutty garbage reality TV but it's not reality at all and I feel like the stories that are being told on the podcast are 
again, I'm like air quoting you guys, like real, they're real stories. It's not, you know, the people or refinery, um, 21, um, version of like some celebrities crash diet or experience with like being vegan or going on a spending freeze. These are real people, regular people. Like, yes, like regular people people that don't have notoriety, people that don't have a platform. Yeah. And they're experiencing such real dynamic stuff. Like, that we're all experiencing. We all are. But we don't talk about it. Like, no. we don't talk about betrayal. We don't talk about having a disability. We don't talk about death. Pain. Pain. Like, we talk about it in these, like, super surface, reactionary, entertaining, melodramatic ways. But I love that each person is just so authentically being open about their experience and that it's just so accessible. We're really lucky that way because everyone who has agreed to share a story has, I think, come to the table or come to the microphone with the intention to just be open. Yeah. And, and imperfect. Yes. And I think that's healing just in and of itself. I think that's good for humanity. Here I am in all my imperfect glory, and here's what it's been like for me. Here's what I think. Here's what I've felt. I also really deeply appreciate how nuanced it is. It's not this, like, it's not these one-sided, this one thing happened to me, I overcame it, and I'm fine. It's like, There are so many layers, and there's so much depth to each person's story that I mean, it feels very robust and we get to hear so deeply what their experiences were, but it always, it's like, there's just so much more to that to each person that's contributed. feels very, I keep going back to authentic and it's very, it's very engaging. Well, I think so too. Yeah. Of like I want I, more episodes. Of course I would. <laughs> because I, right. Because right, it's your podcast. I certainly it's hope your, I think it's valid. It's your labor of love because I don't feel like we, like, other than, like, your truly deepest, closest friends, I don't see us connecting with people on that level. Mm -mm. And so it's this, like, immediate buy-in to this person's life and experience that you don't get. And especially now with COVID, when we're not seeing people as much and it's a little bit harder to connect with your friends, even, like, friends that you've had forever. It's just this, like, really deeply like moving meaningful experience to listen to their story what you're saying makes me think of um we had an episode released a couple of weeks ago and a listener uh, commented on one of our social media platforms about that storyteller and i'm not going to get it exactly right what she said but it was something about like i just met you and i love you yeah and she really hadn't i mean obviously she hadn't met met this person. It was a one-sided conversation because the listener was just listening. But I, I mean, I, I guess I'm just sort of echoing back what you said. I think it does sort of feel like, oh, maybe this person is my friend because they're sharing something really intimate and powerful with me. And we don't usually disclose at that level unless we're, and some of us don't even do it with our closest friends. Let's be real about that. Right. And I'm looking at you. I was gonna, and I'm making the face. I'm looking at you because we both never looking at me right now. 
there is something so vulnerable about each episode and that's exactly what it is because even when like people talk about being vulnerable right i feel like in the last few years like we've all heard of Brene brown we get it vulnerability is a thing it's just it just still feels Don't hate on Brene. I'm not hate oh my gosh, listen y'all. Yeah, Brene, listen, we're not hating on you. I'm not hating on you. I struggle with vulnerability. That was my defense mechanism <laughs> popping up. Um even when we're being vulnerable, because it's so fashionable, air quotes fashionable to do it, it still feels very surface to me. And each of these stories or each of these episodes, it's just so deep and we just don't engage with people that deeply in real life in my experience i hope you know however far the podcast goes however long it continues i hope every episode has that because i feel like i hadn't really thought about that it's kind of embarrassing to say that but i would say that that authentic vulnerability and truth-telling is a pillar of this project. I think that this is that quality, the authenticity, the vulnerability of the folks sharing their stories is what makes the All I Know podcast distinct and special. It's what makes it worth listening to. For sure. Yeah. For sure. It's what makes it worth making. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what, ma- I mean, this is like another, um, this is like I've acquired another unpaid part-time job (laughs) but it's worth doing because of what you just said yeah it's like your baby it's a real passion project yeah in a way uh, it is but it's also their baby Mm -hmm. you know the storytellers baby so in some ways i feel more like the midwife than the mom I don't know if that makes any sense. I was going to say, for someone that just said you don't like to figure out figurative language as a high schooler. Well, I know. That was deep. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but that's what's so funny. I mean, I hated that in high school. I hated it. I remember actively having conversations with people about Grapes of Wrath and who knows whatever else I even read where I was just, I wanted to claw my brain out because it was so hard for me to think this way. As an adult, I'm a... I like symbols and metaphors and yeah. So have you it's different? I don't know. Read that book, A Starless Sea? No. Okay. You would love that book. I have to, I just started it. Okay. I know we're totally Is it topic. fiction? It's fiction. And I've, I'm like 75 pages into it. And somewhere around page like 15, I was like, where's the story? And then I realized around page 30, oh, oh this is the story. She's telling She's truly storytelling, and I'm used to, like, reading detective novels and, like, fiction that has, like, a very predictable plot, episode, twist, resolution. And I was like, this is beautiful. Okay, well, when I finish reading West with the Night, which is a book about a pilot in Africa. How appropriate. (laughs) I know. What, the 40s or 50s? I can't remember. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. So your era. It's totally a true story, too. She's actually recounting her life experience. After I finish West with the Night, A Starless Sea will be on the list. I think you'll love it. it it's one of those things like that uh, song. I don't know if I ever talked to you about that. The song Trauma by NF. 
I have no recollection of what you're talking about, and I suddenly feel very stressed out about listening to it. Oh, I'm going to play it for you later. It, it is a work of art in and of itself as a song. I don't know that I want to hear trauma. Oh, you do. It's beautiful. You're going to listen to it later when we go to dinner. And like this book, A Starless Sea, I'm only 75 pages into this book, but it's a work of art. It's not just a story. It's not just a book. It's not just a song. It's it's very like, it's art. It's very moving. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> we digress. We digress. <laughs> All these fun things we're pointing to I tonight. know. I know. <laughs> Can you share with us, with the listeners, what's your vision for the podcast? We've talked about this a little bit, I think. I should be able to answer this question because a business person listening to this, if there's a business person listening to this, would be like, you have to know where you're going. You have to have a strategic plan. You have to have cast a vision. You have to blah, 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 and you have to have your map for how you're going to get there. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I would love to be able to help people continue to tell their stories. Sometimes when I'm, it, it, this is a passion project. And sometimes when I'm thinking about it, I feel so like excited about how endless the possibilities are because there are as many stories as there are humans on the planet. So it's like, we will never run out of material. Never. Or and each of us has more than one story. Well, exactly. That's what I was just going to say. So, you know, every every storyteller that has been heard up until this point in season one could come back and tell more stories. And we haven't even tapped into, like, a new crop of storytellers. So I feel like the possibilities for the podcast are really exponential uh, for people who are hungry to grow, eager to learn, want connections with their fellow man. You know, I, I think anybody who's kind of grooves on that stuff, it's endless. The, the, where, the po- where the podcast could go is endless. Uh, after we first launched, I was really excited about how well we launched and what the response seemed to be at the beginning. <clears throat> and then as we've gone a little bit more into season one, there's been a part of me that was like, well, you know, if the only folks who are listening are people that I know that are like connected to me somehow, does it make sense to continue? I mean, that's so silly, but I think, and then what happened? Well, at this point it does make sense to continue. I mean, we, I remember you and I actually having a meeting about that. Um, and, and talking about that some, because really early on, wasn't it like, didn't we have a listener, like somebody downloaded it in Ireland? Yeah. So there have been downloads in seven. It was Ireland, Ireland. Yeah. Seven internationally. We've, we have seven countries, not just single hits. Ireland actually showed up in a really robust way because one of our storytellers has family there. And so there are family and friends who are connected. And so that's part of why Ireland showed up the way that it did, which was just awesome. Or that's your hypothesis for some of them. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, that just makes sense. Um, I can't remember what I was saying about it, but where it's going or where, where the vision is. You know, at this moment in time, I would say, I'm casting the net for season two. 
Um, we have a handful of folks committed to doing interviews um, and sharing their stories, which I'm really, really excited about. So right now, the plan is for season two. Yay! And I just hope that, I hope that the podcast isn't about me. The podcast is about us. And so I hope that it will continue to ripple out and it will continue to grow because I think that's good for us. And I just think, I mean, with what's going on in our world right now and particularly in the U.S. around social and racial injustice and some of the reckoning and stuff that's happening with that, I mean, I feel like they're, what the political climate uh what we're weathering with COVID, we are in the throes of horrific wildfires in multiple states around the, our country right now. There's just all this tragedy and all this difficulty and all this strain and strife. And I feel like, I feel like when we understand each other more, we're able to come together better even if we don't agree. And to some degree, this podcast being about storytelling hopefully helps us understand each other more. Even if you don't know that particular storyteller, maybe you know someone who has a story that's kind of like that. And something that that storyteller says clicks and makes you recognize that loved one in your life a little bit differently. Does that make sense? Or even helps you to see things that you've experienced in a different way. Yeah. In a way that maybe allows you the grace to forgive yourself for mistakes that you've made. I'm sorry. I cannot remember which episodes have been released and which ones I've heard that have not been (laughs) I don't want to, like, mention. I know. I'm like, oh, way to be prepared today. Um I don't want to say anything specific, but I know that in three of the episodes, there were moments where I had to stop for like a day. I just had to stop because I was so touched by wanting to be loved, needing to ask for forgiveness. And I had, I had real like on the surface, I have nothing in common with those storytellers. And again, that's what I love about it because We have so much in common, Mm -hmm. you know, but we don't see it. We don't see it. We don't see it. I'm not in a wheelchair. But no, that's okay to say. I was like, I was like, is that one dropped? Yeah, it has dropped. Kate, that's the Kate episode that Jess is referring to. Sorry. No, it's fine. And I think knowing Kate the way that I do, I think she would love hearing you say that like we are like each other we and we are the same as each other yes i may not be in the chair that yes. may be a place where we're different but so much so much is the same so much is the same and for me it's like i've said that for years about like politics where you know i with people my loved ones where we might look like we have very different di- very different political perspectives my opinion has always been that we have 99% overlap. And I feel that way about so many of the episodes too, that we have so much in common. We've just had very different experiences, but there's something so unifying about 
other people's struggles that I relate to. Then it's doing what it's supposed to do, you know, because that's, that's what this is all about. This is all about us being connected to each other, all about us understanding each other, all about us growing and becoming a little bit better version of ourselves because we caught some light. Well, because it feels so normalizing. We, we don't talk about our struggles in any depth in this society, in this culture, whichever, maybe both of those. It feels so normalizing that I'm not the only one that has struggled or screwed up or like hated on myself for something that in hindsight I now know is it's just so normalizing. That's good. I'm glad. I hope that there are other people who are nodding and being like, yes, Jess. I hope so, too, because, man, I'm a little embarrassed. I'm struggling to come up with the right word (laughs) (laughs) to describe the impact of that storytelling. Um, Can you give us a teaser for season two, or is that too much to ask for right now? Um, Well, I might be kind of clumsy about it. I think... Look at me tripping over my tongue before I can ever even put anything like, together. What is she going to say? Well, so it's very hard for me not to think about the last episode of this season and what we mm-hmm. have planned for the first episode of next season, which actually is um, me back in the interview chair. Yay. So that sounds pretty self-centered. But there you go. There, there's a I teaser. So. The The tables are going to turn at the end of season one where you put the questions that we ask to me. Mm -hmm. And um, then I think it was actually the same dinner where we talked about whether or not to do a season two was when we decided what season one or or what episode one of season two was going to be. Does that sound right? That's how I remember it. Yeah. So the end of season one, you know, I'll pull back the veil on some things for me in response to the questions that we use as our underpinning for our interviews. And then uh, in season two, two, that first episode will go will go a little bit deeper. Um, I'm really excited about some of the guests that we have lined up for for season two already. And I guess I don't want to say anything else about them because I don't want to color what they it's one thing for me to color what I'm bringing to the table I don't want to color what they're going to bring to the table so I don't want to tee them up in any that's fair way shape or form but I'm really really excited to have them and really incredibly grateful that they are willing to be part of this process I'm excited I'm really excited me too Well, and I've had some really powerful conversations with listeners who are also people that are in my social circle. So, you know, they became aware of the podcast through my personal Facebook or something like that. Who do I know them? Um, Some you do and some you don't. But um, I've I've had a couple of conversations and, and it's. I, it's so funny because I, the, I wish those conversations were even more public, right? Because I feel like what they had to say about what they heard was so powerful. But one, just one example in particular, I'm thinking about a friend who was talking to me about her experience uh, listening to one of the stories. And one of the storytellers is actually in Jules' episode. So it was the very, the very first. Yeah. 
uh, story that we told, she was referring back to Jules' episode, and she got rather emotional as she was talking about something she took from Jules' storytelling that she is now making a mantra in her own life and how it's basically been something of a breakthrough in her own growth in areas that she is working on in herself. And I just thought, that's so cool. And I wish, I wish everyone knew so that everyone would listen to Jules. And I wish that Jules knew that this person that she doesn't even know had the experience of listening to some of her story and that this, this phrase that Jules used is now like deeply stitched into this other woman's heart as a way of getting through life. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. It is awesome. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. So, yeah. I have no idea why I launched onto that little topic, but I guess it doesn't matter. I don't know either. So our our storytellers are, are touching people. They're reaching people. And I wish they could know how profound their reach is. So that's something, actually. You should tell Jules. <clears throat> I should tell her. I should tell her. I mean, and there have been little things that people have said to me about each episode. Yeah. Anyway, that's, I guess, an area of growth for me in season two, or maybe even for the remainder of season one, is to be more intentional about trying to pass back to the storyteller that feedback that comes to me privately. And then for those listeners who are comfortable being vulnerable enough to share the impact on our social media platforms, Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome because then you may not know that it's going directly to the storyteller, but they'll see that themselves. Then it doesn't have to come through me. That I'm just sitting here. I'm like, this is already such a success. This, <laughs> this work <laughs> you've poured into this podcast, this artistic endeavor that you've released into the world. It's already a success. It's touching people. It's helping them to feel less isolated. It's helping them to make connections to themselves in positive ways that are allowing them to move forward in strength that's a success. I agree. Um, I think we kind of talked about this, but do you feel like the podcast is a reflection on you as the host? <laughs> um, uh, that's probably a question I'd need to sit with longer to be able to answer it really well. At first blush, my thought is to say it must be somehow. It's at least a reflection of the things that I value or that I think are important in life. At least some of the things I think are important. Um, so it, it must be a reflection of me in that way. I kind of feel like when I went to grad school for counseling, I remember in the first semester, all of my professors started talking about how the majority of people come to mental health and try to get a master's degree or some higher education in mental health because they're trying to heal themselves. And I remember <laughs> I remember thinking in those first classes how extraordinary it was that I was the exception to that because the majority of people are trying to heal themselves, but I just only, it's only altruistic. I really only just want to help. This doesn't have anything to do with me. I wish you guys could see Jess's face right now. I am dying over in the most loving, gracious way. It's 
Wow. It's, I know, <laughs> I know, it's pretty embarrassing to admit. And if I have any clients listening to this right now, they're probably <laughs> horrified hearing all this. Oh. But anyways, this, I, you know, this is me as a total baby in grad school. By the time I finished graduate school, and maybe that's the purpose, right? Maybe, I, maybe that's the growth curve that a person is supposed to have. I was quite clear that grad school was in large part about healing myself and work I was trying to do in myself and work out for myself. So when you ask me if, how, what did you say? Is the podcast a reflection on you of, of me? Uh, I feel like of me, I feel like I must, uh, I don't want to answer that question the way that I answered the grad school question where I'm like, no, it's not about me when it's like so clear. Maybe that it is. Maybe there's something about me that's trying to have more of a voice in the world, more of an impact. Maybe there's something about me that's trying to understand more about humanity. And I feel like that needs to be bigger and to do it, to do it in this, in this platform that's more exposed is somehow more in sync. I I don't know. I think I need to think Hmm. through that more. But certainly, at a minimum, the podcast is a reflection of some of my values. And the rest, I kind of got to sort out, I think. Yeah, I wasn't expecting you to say that. I, it, to me, it very much reflects what you value. It reflects honesty. So we're in agreement about that. Yeah, emotional openness, love, I feel like is something... I feel like you are such a loving, accepting person, even before you went to school to be a therapist or counselor. I don't know what, yeah, it's how fine. do I not know what word you prefer for that? It doesn't matter. Okay. They both. Yeah. I don't know. Cause I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, I feel like you've always valued stories, but I can't give you a specific reason why I would think that like when we worked at CCH, I don't. Well, you, maybe you think that just because. I'm a good listener. You are such, like, almost to a fault, you're such a good listener. Yeah, most of the time I think I am. I mean, yeah, I, yeah I'm sure I blow it sometimes, but most of the time I, I think I'm a good listener. So maybe that's what makes you think I value stories. Something changed somewhere between high school and now <laughs> in terms of stories. I, you know what it is? It's not stories. It's that you value people. So regardless of where they're coming from, once you've connected with a person, which is rare for you to not, you really genuinely value them unquestioningly. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor or broken or whole. Once you have accepted that person into your life, you don't let them down. You don't let them go. I think that's what it is. That's somehow connected to the valuing people's stories is just an extension of valuing it's an extension of how you value people unreservedly without judgment well thank you that sounds a little bit too much like jesus i don't don't quite i don't quite uh feel like i have that in the bag the way that you're describing it but I'm happy that you see me We've that way. We've been friends a long time. I'm happy that you see me that way, and I appreciate it. I I think, you know how we were talking the other night about, like, we as people can just be blind to who we truly are, and people are like, hello, duh, this is that moment. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Jen, yes, you are so 
lovingly accepting of people unreservedly without judgment. You just love people for who they are. Well, I certainly try. Yeah. Yeah. And you have such a diverse group of friends. I'm lucky. I'm really wealthy in friends. But I think that's attributable to you. You know, we, we attract what we put out there. Suddenly, it feels like our show about the show is becoming therapy. <laughs> I know, does it? I've always wanted to play a therapist on TV. <laughs> you got your wish tonight. Hmm. This was good. Is there anything else we need to cover? I feel like I feel like we're good. And I, I feel too. like the listeners are probably like, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for today. I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you for being in this role and, oh my gosh, it's my and giving me a chance to tell the story of our story. I loved hearing it and I loved being able to help you in this little pieces here and there. I appreciate it. Yeah. As always, we thank you so much for listening in. One of the most important things for our speakers and guests when they agree to be vulnerable with us about their life experience is to know that what they have to say is going to fall on ready ears and we couldn't do that without you. Please remember that all of the opinions, ideas, information, and views shared as part of today's conversation belong solely to each speaker. And while we hope our listeners find each episode helpful and interesting, please note that this podcast doesn't serve as therapeutic intervention, nor should it substitute as advice or direction from a mental health professional. All I Know is a production of Inward Bound, a private psychotherapy practice based in Denver, Colorado. We specialize in working with adoptive families and provide support and training associated with attachment and the impact of early trauma on childhood development. If you or someone you love is struggling with adoption-related or relational challenges, find us on the World Wide Web. This podcast is produced by Jessica Barry Edelstein and me, with audio engineering by Craig Knapp. If you'd like to be a guest on All I Know, please reach out to Jess. You can contact her at jess.alliknow at inwardboundco.com. One more time, it's jess, J-E-S-S, dot know at inwardboundco.com. We hope you'll join us for the next installment of All I Know. We release a new episode every week. And in the meantime, this is Jen, for all of us here at the show, reminding you, catch all the light you can. <laughs>